need your cigar at once, see? Welcome back, everyone. 2023, season three. Oh my goodness. All the wow. threes. What'd you think of that new intro? Joke's on you. You haven't even heard it yet. But they have. <laughs> it was freaking amazing. <laughs> we forgot to, well, I guess I should say, I forgot to say who won the RVL last year. It will be a shock and surprise to absolutely nobody that Lauren <laughs> came off Victor again. Although I feel like it was a closer race, maybe, question mark, this year. Lauren had seven points versus my four. So I had Maddie, Spencer, Dobby, and Kim agreeing with me. Whereas Caleb, Megan, Voldemort, Deb, Jill, Andrew, and Emma all agreed with Lauren. So, Lauren, congratulations. Second year in a row winning that RVL. And um, we are officially retiring it because I can't take any more loss. <laughs> but Too painful. We have a very exciting new question for our guests. So be on the lookout for that. I wanted to give a quick shout out to the film anniversaries of 2022 since there were several that we kind of discovered There you go, as the year went on. Some of these you may know, some of them you might not, but last year in 2022, The Godfather celebrated its 50th, which you should all know by now. If you don't, then that's embarrassing. <laughs> Nosferatu celebrated its 100th, Aladdin turned 30, Muppet Christmas Carol turned 30, Treasure Planet turned 20, Strictly Ballroom turned 30, E.T. turned <laughs> 40, Titanic 40. turned 25, oh! The original Mummy that we watched this year turned 90, which is fun. Oh, wow. Um, Snow White turned 85. Casablanca Happy turned birthday. 80. <laughs> Cat People also turned 80. <laughs> what a good movie. Oh, my gosh. Bambi turned 80. Singing in the Rain turned 70. 12 Angry Men and Bridge Over the River Kwai both turned 65. Bridge on the River Kwai, rather. Lawrence of Arabia, To Kill a Mockingbird, both turned 60. The Graduate, Bonnie and Clyde, both turned 55. A New Hope turned 45. I feel like there should have been more buzz for that. I didn't oh, hear anything I about to it. Watch that. The Thing turned 40. Happy birthday. <laughs> Sophie's Choice and Tootsie also turned 40. Princess Bride turned 35. Oh. Wayne's World, Malcolm X turned 30. Goodwill Hunting turned 25. As did Men in Black and Life is Beautiful. Catch Me If You Can turned 20. Dirty Dancing turned 35. The Rescuers turned 45. Cool Hand Lurk. Lurk. Cool Hand Lurk. Cool Hand Lurk. <laughs> cool Hand Lurk turned 35. And mm -hmm. Signs turned 20. I feel like films coming out in the year ending in two or seven are like some of our favorite films. So that was very exciting. What a good year. And this was a good, a big year. <laughs> We are going to just jump in with our new film club announcement. Before you do, Lauren, just a reminder to our listeners that this is a slightly different film club. There will still be an announced film that we pick every single month. However, instead of connecting it film to film, 
you are looking for an overarching theme between all 12 films. So they will only be announced monthly, but be thinking about that as well. Reminders to still send in your freshman reviews if you haven't. That episode and the uh, Film Club 2022 recap is still on its way. It's forthcoming. As well as those final print and pins. So be on the lookout for those emails. As well as we have some new things with Film Club. Um, You can opt in for text reminders. That was something that a few people requested. We also are going to have a voicemail option for you sending in your review instead of submitting a written one. That will also be included in an email. All this that I'm talking about will be explained further in an email that's coming. And instead of emailing your submission to us, you can still do that if you want. But there will be a link on our Instagram um, or it will be emailed out to you at the beginning of the month or texted out. And you'll just follow that link and submit your review that way instead of having to write up a whole review, then fill out a whole questionnaire. So hopefully it just kind of simplifies the whole reviewing process. Again, all this information will be explained in further detail and hopefully made clear in the email, but just know some of these things are changing a little bit, hopefully for the better. But we are also going to try and post the announcement on Instagram on the first and a helpful reminder on the 15th of every month. So you can also keep an eye on that. But blah, blah, blah. Let's actually get to the announcement. <laughs> Lauren has the pick. January's film club film is Arrival from 2016 starring Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner who almost died I know I saw that (laughs) today and I was like oh (laughs) I'm not laughing at the accident that's terrible but it just feels I'm bad timing ironic timing yes but um I'm super excited you picked this I've only watched it on a plane I think to visit Catherine in St. Louis and so I'm really excited to like give it full attention sitting and not being on a plane it's the only time you've seen it yeah I know oh my gosh this is one of the films I have for my birthday I'm really excited about it all right enough announcements let's jump on into the first topic of 2023 which is still looking backwards (laughs) But uh, we're going to review all <laughs> the films that we watched. Just kidding. Not every single one. Just the top and some of the bottom films we watched in 2022, which we should not talk about every film that Lauren watched in 2022. I only, I don't know that I broke 100 <laughs> this year. It was kind of a sad movie watching experience, but but Lauren, um, hold the weight for the both of us. Yes. I watched 233 films. Some of them were rewatches. I did watch E.T. five times. <laughs> and I saw The Godfather three times. Oh my gosh, I love that. You beat me. I only watched um, Godfather twice last year. Sadly In enough. theaters? Mm-hmm. Can't remember why the other time I watched. Oh, I think I made Sydney watch it with me. That's right. New films, I just watched 172. 172. So impressive. I don't know my total film count, but um, I did watch only 65 new films. <laughs> so. <laughs> Beat you by 100. <laughs> Amigo showing. <laughs> but yes. All right. So first off, we're going to just talk about our top five films that came out in 2022. 
starting with number five. My number five is Strange World. This is a Disney movie that came out in November. It was was kind of under the radar. Like, I don't know that they did a super great job of advertising for it. I think I'm especially attuned um, to expecting a Disney film to come out in November. But also, I work at Disney World, so... (laughs) This film, I don't think it's, like, my favorite Disney film ever, but I also think that not enough people have seen it. It's very imaginative. There's really cool representation in it. Um, It's very clever. I love the world building in it. There's, like, it's just visually stunning. There's a lot of really fun um, aspects to the world that they explore and the strange world, if you will. Some fun voice acting, very enjoyable. I thought it was delightful. I will say uh, Disney movies slash Pixar films have a tendency to give me the life lesson I need to hear at like the specific point of life that I'm in. I didn't really get one with this, so that one is maybe why it's a little lower on my list. It still made my top five out of 65. New- well, I guess not every one of those 65 films was from 2022. I know the number. I only watched 18 films from 2022, but still pretty high. Um, I did enjoy it. Didn't cry. So there's still like a lot of reasons why mm-hmm. it wouldn't be that high on my Disney li- movie list, but it was it was a good showing for 2022. Okay, I'll have I have two honorable mentions that I'll just say to speak about very briefly. Perfect. Uh, the first one's The Fablemans, mm. which is I just really saw it. On- Saturday. It was my last movie of last year. I went and watched it in the theater by myself. So proud. <laughs> my family didn't want to go. But it's just kind of Steven Spielberg's um, story about him growing up and loving film and becoming a filmmaker and kind of talks about his family and his parents. And it wasn't super exciting. I mean, it's just like a boy's life, but I thought it was super heartfelt and it made me laugh a lot. Not a lot, but there's like one part that I was just like busting up. <laughs> and I just love Stevens, so I think you did a really good job with it. It feels appropriate other... for the year that you watched E.T. five times. Yes, it was a good finish, a good tribute to the man that has created a, an obsession. <laughs> um, And then my other honorable mention is Batman um, that came out this year with Robert Pattinson. Um, I really liked it a lot. It was a little bit too long. And so by the, I think by two hours and 40 minutes, I was like, all right, <laughs> he needs to stop being dramatic and just save the day. <laughs> <We're done here. laughs> but I did love Robert Pattinson. I think he did a really good job. And it was, well, especially compared, I'll probably talk about a different Batman movie I watched this year later from earlier in history. <laughs> but compared to that it was very well done and yeah. I enjoyed it I did watch it twice I think because we watched it when James got home too that one also ranked pretty highly on my list just didn't cut into my top five. <gasps> oh, but I forgot to mention the best the very best part is they play I have but one heart oh yeah um, sung by Johnny from the Godfather it's playing in the background of like the mafia bosses office kind of thing and so i forgot about that that was the best part of the whole film this is so good when it came on at first i was like i know this song it must be dean martin and then i was like 
no, it's the Godfather. And I like <laughs> said to my dad, this song's in the Godfather. And he's like, <laughs> he like didn't care. Didn't appreciate. I love that so much. It felt <laughs> like what we wanted to do from the very beginning, which is have that deep cut, but have it be the, the yes. scratch playing. But still, it feels like they're giving <laughs> us one. They just put in their favorite movie. <laughs> they had to put in a little reference. Um, okay. For the deep oh, fans. Those are just your honorable mentions, though, correct? Yeah. Okay. Do you want just... me to do my number five then? Yeah, go for it. My number five is Marcella Shelba's Shoes On. I watched this on the plane, so I'm sure I would have liked it even more not on the plane. But, like, it wasn't one that I was super excited about seeing, and I didn't really plan on seeing it. It looked really cheesy. I never watched, like, the Marcel, the Shell videos. Oh, my gosh. On YouTube. I was obsessed. Oh. So I watched it on the plane, and I, I was in the middle seat. I was just dying. Like, <laughs> I was laughing. I was sobbing. It was just so beautiful and just like quirky. I love the fake documentary style um, and the relationship between the filmmaker and Marcel. He's just so cute and his grandma and (laughs) they were just, it was just so wholesome. I just left that movie feeling like I am whole right now. (laughs) I feel like I need to watch it again. My biggest like takeaway was I was like wow they really pulled it off like those videos are so short and it feels hard to make it like long enough and have a a, a compelling enough plot to make it work but I feel like they did and yeah I I need to give it another watch I think because I did really enjoy it but I don't think it like affected me quite as deeply my number four is turning red this one is the Pixar film that came out in March it's just very fun lots of colors it's definitely a shout out to the 90s and early aughts kids going to school and just the different like the tamagotchis and there's just all these references to like (laughs) early childhood and kind of late elementary into junior high i love the female representation we've talked a lot on the podcast about how pixar doesn't always have a lot of really great female characters especially in their early films or Maybe, I guess I should, a better way of phrasing it is that there are just a lot more male characters than female characters. And so I just loved that this film was about female friendship, but like had very different female personalities, like just represented girls in a different way than I think usually they get depicted. I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. James Hong is in it. So that's James always Hong. a plus. MVP. And the animation is just very beautiful. And I loved how just Pixar was able to explore in Canada, being set in Canada instead of like America and having an Asian lead. And I really liked it. It really resonated with me. And I think we I, I joined in late, but we watched it with Sarah and Maddie long distance. And it was funny to be like, oh, you're this person. Oh, you're this girl. Like, here we are in this <laughs> For friendship group <laughs> maddie is like the literally insane one <laughs> my favorite thing i always think of her when i see her anyway i so. forgot who i was i think you were the the like kind of emo <laughs> like oh yeah because <laughs> sarah was may the main character yeah. and then i was the like the friend in green I don't the tall her. girl yeah just very fun i also loved the boy band and it was just so funny (laughs) (laughs) 
Some good. They were very funny. Some good. Especially because you love. Yeah, you love Backstreet. My number four is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Mm. Um, not to be confused with Disney's Pinocchio, which I did not watch. <laughs> Twenty twenty two came out this year. I really wonder if they heard that Guillermo del Toro was coming out with a Pinocchio, and Disney was just like, "All right, pump out the remake right now." We got something on Tom Hanks. Make him come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Tom's just like, okay. <laughs> so, and I think one of the reasons I loved it so much is because, I mean, I didn't even see the Disney remake, but just compared to the other remakes that I've been seeing recently, this is just so fresh and different. Um, the animation is beautiful. It's stop motion. Um, it's funny, though, also because... I think Guillermo del Toro made it pretty clear that he it was not supposed to be a children's movie, like not a family movie. It's still it's just rated PG. But when I was watching it, I was like, all right, I'm not seeing any Guillermo del Toro um, influence here because like I've I've seen Pan's Labyrinth and Shape of Water. But and then like eventually (laughs) something happens and I was like, oh, there he is. Like. (laughs) That makes sense. <laughs> oh my gosh, Alexander Desplat is the yes. I'm gonna have to watch he it is, now. Yeah. The music is good. Ewan McGregor is Jiminy Cricket, but his name's not Jiminy Cricket. His name is Sebastian yeah. J Cricket, I think. Oh, but he's adorable. He's just this, and he sings very well. But it did. It does end a little bit low. Like it's a little bit. It's a bit of a doubter. It's not a, yeah, it's not really a sad ending, but just like, just a little depressing. But there were things in it that totally surprised me. I was laughing. I think it did make me cry. I just thought it was very beautiful, very well done. Well, it's definitely on my list now, so. Good. All right. Number three for me is Glass Onion, which I think will rank pretty highly on your list, so I won't talk. Like, I won't try and steal every plot point from you. But I just love Benoit Blanc. Like, I've never been a huge (laughs) Daniel Craig fan. Like, I think he's fine. But, man, I would watch the heck out of any detective mystery that he's in as Benoit Blanc because I just adore him. There's a lot of fun characters that are introduced. I really enjoy the plot. It's very funny. I was like... It was really fun to watch in a theater full of people because we all would just laugh out loud and just, um, but very intelligent. I loved the cinematography, just beautiful, beautiful scenes and shots and deep connections to what's happening within the plot. And it felt very fresh, but also familiar. Like it felt like a Ryan Johnson and, you know, seemed like it could be in the same universe as Knives Out, but felt really unique and different. And um, I love the commentary that it provides, all the social commentary. A delicious ending, if you know me and my feelings on certain things. (laughs) Yeah, just really, really excellent. So that's all I'll say about it. My number three is Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is maybe your second number one. See, this movie was very, very hyped up for me. Mm -hmm. And so maybe I felt a little bit. Like, it wasn't quite as good as I was expecting, but it still was very, very good. I still really liked it. Um, James Hong, again, he was probably my favorite part. He was 
hilarious. But also, I I love Michelle Yo. Is that how you say her name? Um, I'll talk about her again later because I watched a, another high-ranking movie with her in it. I thought she did amazing. And it was so different. Like, it's just funny. There's been all these, like, multiverse movies coming out. But this one was so different than all of the other ones that I've been seeing. I think there was a lot of things that kind of went over my head that I would need to watch it again to understand a little bit better. But just very fun and very meaningful as well. Oh, well, I also thought it was interesting. Like, it seemed a very similar plot to Turning Red. Mm-hmm. Or... There were similar plot points, at least, mm-hmm. that I was connecting them. But yes, I did. We did watch this one together. Um, and I think it was very fun. Very bizarre and <laughs> unexpected in a way that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'll definitely be talking about this one later. So my number two is Nope. This is a Jordan Peele film. It came out in July it is a lot of people kind of are like oh it's definitely his worst one like it's it's not very good or like it's definitely my least favorite peel film and i would say that while i do enjoy get out and us more i wouldn't introduce nope as like the lesser of the three because it's very different like those other two i think deal a lot more in like horror and thriller while this is much more of a sci-fi there's definitely scary moments and in, like intense parts, but I thought it was brilliant, very thought provoking. And Jordan Peele has this incredible way of making a film and you watch it and you're like, wow, that was a good movie. Like, okay, cool. And then you walk out of the theater and 10 minutes later, you're like, whoa, what did I just watch? And then you like think <laughs> about it more and more and you watch commentaries and it's just incredible all the layers and everything that's happening the commentary the performances were incredible cinematography was breathtaking definitely a film I want to return to often I feel like Peel continues to meet the standard that is very impressive to me uh, because he keeps setting that bar so high for himself and it is very different from the other ones but it's not less in quality and that's something that I think similar with Glass Onion that I just love because I think we've just been inundated with very similar films recently like mass marketed they're audience tested they're like very formulaic and following these things and I love that we can have these sequels or these movies that are coming from the same people and they feel familiar and they feel connected and they like keep meeting this high quality standard but they're different and they're they're new stories and I just these this is what we need in entertainment is more glass onions and more nopes that are different and trying new things and feeling Mm -hmm. the same but feeling also new so I love it oh my gosh I need you to watch nope so we can talk about some of the scenes though (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll watch it with you okay I should have picked it for cinemonth but I feel like it's Um, one I'd want to watch in person I know Sometimes schedule a visit just for <laughs> no. Okay, back to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking some time off so I can watch Nope with my friend. <laughs> okay, um, my number two is Glass Onion. Yeah, I think the main reason I watched it again, um, because my dad didn't want to go see it in the theater, so we watched it again with him when it came out on Christmas after Christmas. 
And I didn't love it quite as much the second time because I already knew all the jokes and I knew how it ended, of course. The funnest part is like the reveals, know, the mystery, and yeah, not knowing what's going on. Yeah. Um, but it is the most, the biggest reason why I enjoyed it so much is I love Knives Out so much. And then I was like, there's no way they can do that again. Like, Knives Out was so different and such a fun mystery. Uh, and then they did it. They pulled it off. And I was just so impressed with them. And and it was hilarious. I loved, I think um, Birdie was my favorite character. <laughs> um, that actress, I think she's beautiful. And she was just hilarious. She, and I haven't seen her. She's in um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. That's the mm-hmm. only ever thing I've seen her in. And she's very funny and charming in that. And so it was fun to kind of see her again in a similar role, but different role. Mm-hmm. Nuanced, yeah. Definitely worth a watch for everybody. It's It reached my expectations, I think I would say. Mm, I like that. Okay, my number one is Everything Everywhere All at Once. <laughs> <laughs> this one was really hyped up for me as well. And so I think I automatically went, oh, it's... I'm, I'm suspicious of if this is going to be really good. And then it was really good. So then I was just happy. <laughs> wow. It's just so fun. So creative, very thoughtful, very hilarious, like so many cool shots. I just, it, the title is perfect for what it is. Cause there's just like so much happening constantly. And I also loved that you just couldn't keep up with it in some ways. It was like, wh- what is happening right now? And like, but who is this person? I'm like, you know, like, I think I know who this is, but then all of a sudden it's not who you think it is. And I loved how all the actors got to play so many different parts. Like, they got to play their character in so many different ways, which just doesn't really happen. And it was so fun to see that. I was blown away by everybody's performance. I cried in this movie. Like, whew, it got me. Um, Yeah, it was so wild and so much, but very much grounded in relationships and love and like the most important things and I just cannot wait to return to it and rewatch it again and catch everything I missed the first time (laughs) and get all bewildered all over again (laughs) so much lost (laughs) it is kind of a different experience to watch a movie and just be like feel like a fire hose is being shot at you yes I feel like that doesn't happen very often um it's kind of fun to like I don't know. I feel like it was a very intelligent film. Mm-hmm. That, like you have to. Be it's not a film you can full attention. Yes, you could be doing other things during. You've got to completely engage. My number one is Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> and I kind of like, especially compared to like everything everywhere all at once. It's such an intelligent film, so it's a little embarrassing that this is my number one. But I loved this movie. Again, this was one that was like, there's no way they can, like, they've been announcing this for, like, five years, hyping it up, saying it's going to be awesome, and you go into it thinking, there's no way it's going to be awesome, like, it can't be as good as they say it is, and then you watch it, and you're like, I love this. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, and it's, it's very predictable, and it's just, it's not like that where you don't have like you don't have to be completely paying attention it did have enough of like a twist I don't know there was a part that I was crying (laughs) and then it turned out it was okay 
but there were also things like I've only seen the first Top Gun one time and it's not my favorite I don't like it very much at all but there were elements from the first movie that they referenced it in the second one of course and I was just crying because like oh my gosh oh he finally has closure or whatever but seeing it in the theater also is such a fun experience because it's like these fighter jets and these loud noises and you just feel like whoa it's all here and I know that that's like it was one of the biggest movies of the year so it feels very unoriginal for that to be my favorite but (gasps) no it it really was everywhere everything everywhere all at once is likely gonna be up for best picture so it also feels unoriginal to pick that as my number one but I've heard nothing but good things about Top Gun Maverick and one of my favorite coordinators at Flame Tree was like loves Top Gun and she was appalled that I had never seen either of them but she's like don't even watch the first one just watch the second one <laughs> if you're gonna watch it just watch the but second one I feel one. like the first one the right like I, I if I was ever going to I would want to watch the first one so I could get the full experience yeah there's this relationship between one of the students and Tom Cruise depends so much on what happened on the first one and then yeah We're that's off. one of the reasons I cried was that I like could connect that with the first one and be like oh my gosh it's so beautiful (sighs) but yeah I haven't seen it actually since the summer I think I did go see it in theater two times which I saw E.T. in theater two times and The Godfather in theater two times not (laughs) special but (laughs) I mean I feel like those are your best films so it does make it special it's true it was very good so those were our top films that came from 2022 now we're going to switch everything on its head and talk about our bottom five films and they didn't have to come from 2022 it's just films that we watched in 2022 that were the lowest of the low that we do not recommend avoid at all costs oh boy (laughs) we've got some good ones here (laughs) um you can go ahead and start since i did the last one we're doing top five yeah so like number one is the is the worst this year my cousin started doing he called them mondo mondays where we watched these films together and a lot of them were very bad (laughs) but I didn't necessarily rate them all very low because they were fun to watch and like make fun of together yeah Yeah. one of them was chopping mall which was in our mash episode I was so excited about that so bad (laughs) it was so bad but I rated it two and a half I can't remember all I said was pretty wild Um, okay, my fifth worst, we'll say, it, is Jingle All the Way, Christmas mm. film with Arnold Schwarzenegger. This was a Mondo Monday film. <laughs> a lot of these are. <laughs> so it did end up as um, correct that a lot of them are in the bottom five. It's just uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is trying to get the toy that his son wants for Christmas, which is Anakin Skywalker from episode one, oh. the little boy, who I loved. He was You're my favorite part of the whole movie. Are you an angel? Yes, and now this is pod racing oh my gosh <laughs> um he definitely had a few lines that were very anakin-esque <laughs> but i remember someone i think it was someone on mutual once he was asking me what's your favorite christmas movie and i said the godfather and he's like oh well mine's jingle all the way and now that i've watched this my respect is <laughs> the toilet for that guy i don't even remember who it was <laughs> i mean i'm sure if it's nostalgic like of course, it's going to be more meaningful and stuff, but it just was not good. It's just one chaotic thing after the other, and Arnold Schwarzenegger already knows not the known for the best actor, but 
didn't really like it, and I wouldn't really recommend it. <laughs> I will steer clear of both people who say it's their favorite and uh, the actual film itself. <laughs> I'm just warning you now, my bottom five are littered with rom-coms, <laughs> which is a symptom of living with Ebony right now. For Ebony's birthday, we watched Age of Adeline. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> so bad okay i think i like i haven't seen it for like 10 years but the performances and like the the production quality isn't bad and the acting isn't bad it's just the story and the writing that is so bad oh my gosh it it's just a dumb plot to begin with it like really uses it leans into fake science really really hard it does have Stephen Crane from Haunting of Hill House, so that really was the only thing that kept me watching. I was very happy about Is that. Is that her boyfriend? Yes. Oh, he's so handsome. I don't know. The whole, like, lightning car plot that <laughs> both creates all these problems and then miraculously fixes them. I was just rolling my eyes hard. And then I the- really don't remember. The plot just is so icky. Like, this woman is immortal, essentially. She doesn't age. And she starts to, she, like, won't allow herself to get into relationships because it's too dangerous. She doesn't want to get found out that she's immortal. And, but she starts falling for this guy. And then he takes her to meet his parents. And then you find out the dad is a former lover. And he figures it out. Like, it's just so icky. Like, everybody wants her. And it's just, like, this multi-generational thing. And I just was like, this is so gross. And the dad is also like, yeah, I'm in love with you. But it's also okay that you're with my my son. And it's just like, oh, it's so icky. <laughs> so, would not recommend. But it does also have Harrison Ford in it. So, I don't know. If you want some good eye candy, I guess. Uh, yeah, the only thing I really remember is that I thought Blake Lively was so beautiful and I wished I could be her. Yes, she is very lovely. Oh, whoops. Jingle All the Way was my sixth word. <laughs> Honorable mention after all. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. Because uh, I think this one goes in front of... It's Morbius. <laughs> 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 was this a near bottom five? It wasn't, but it, it did not make okay. my top 2022 films that... <laughs> Some of my 65 um, didn't even make the list. So I do just need to um, shout out Morbius, at least. My Halloween costume. Mm-hmm. I was very taken with Jared um, Leto. <laughs> what about He's Matt Smith? I'm sorry, not Matt Smith. <laughs> He's very scary. <laughs> I, yeah. Oh no, he's been ruined. But yeah, Jared Leto was very beautiful. Then had the most perfect beard. Very yeah. muscular. But everything else was very bad in this movie oh my gosh cgi is very bad um the plot is very bad the writing yeah it's just i really didn't want to keep watching it but i did and then i was him for halloween (laughs) it's like it's so bad it becomes a little bit good (laughs) yeah so you're just like shocked like what are they gonna do next like how does this keep going and i feel like if they had moments of like i feel like the, the beginning before things happened what a good review. Oh, <laughs> and stunning. medically, mm-hmm. there were some serious medical problems that I <laughs> did not understand. And like, took great. I don't blame Jared or Matt for how bad it is. I feel like it was the fault mm-hmm. of other people. Because I feel like there were moments where their performances were pretty good. But mm-hmm. whew, that whenever they started fighting in the CGI battles, it was just, oh, wow, so painful. Yeah. <laughs> 
my number four was Death on the Nile. I watched it in pretty, like, maybe February or January of last year. This is one I was really excited for because I liked Midnight or Murder on the Orient Express enough. It's not as good as the original that we watched with Norman, with Albert Finney and mm. and such. Oh my god, it was so good. But it was enjoyable enough that I was interested in seeing another one. Like, I like Kenneth Branagh a lot, and this was so bad. It, <laughs> did you ever see this? Mm-mm, yeah, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, any desire. I wouldn't recommend it. I read the book, which I thought was okay. I'm not, a, like, the biggest Agatha Christie fan. I think she has, like, one or two really standout novels. But I'm not a huge fan of the mystery genre in books to begin with anyway. It was really forced, very forgettable. They had the weirdest, like, overly sensual scenes that had nothing to do with anything else. Like, I, I'm not just saying that as, like, no, I don't want that. It's, like, nor like... I understand when things need to be sensual and like it has a point. This literally was just so awkward. Like (laughs) they were being sexy on a pyramid and everyone was just like, why? Like it's so weird. (laughs) So unnecessary. The worst CGI and like green screens. Like I was like, oh, this is so bad. And there was just like, yeah. So I read the book and there was this like whole other level of weird added drama and like forced tragedy and it just did not really work and I just like contrast this with Glass Onion and I'm like oh my gosh Mm. like Glass Onion is just better in every respect of characters Mm -hmm. and cinematography and writing and like everything has a point and a purpose to it instead of just like what is happening and what is going on (laughs) and part of that is I think the source material a little bit like I don't mean to to dog on Agatha Christie too too much she's like the master of mystery back in the 19th century, but she definitely is a product of her time. And sometimes some of those things translate not super great on the screen. I forgot to say for Glass Onion, um, Andy, I loved her. Oh, she was amazing. Janelle Monet. Yeah. I, I was very taken with her. She was amazing. My third worst, I guess, is Batman Forever. I like... I was trying to watch all the Batman movies because they were all on HBO Max and I think they were all leaving in at the end of January. And then Robert Pattinson's was coming out in the next couple weeks. So I was like, I'll try and watch all these. So then I'll be very prepared for the new Batman. And I regretted it. <laughs> because guess what? There's going to be another one on this top five worst movies. Oh my gosh. Um, So Batman Forever... Is actually from our birth year, 1995. It's Val Kilmer as Batman. Moses himself. Moses himself. Um, Jim Carrey is the Riddler. Oh my gosh, I feel like this is right up my alley. Yeah, you might like that part at least. And then Tommy Lee Jones, amazingly, is Harvey Dent. Oh, Nicole Kidman is... What a star-studded cast. I know, so you'd think it would be good. Um, Chris O'Donnell is Robin. Drew Barrymore is in it as well. She's like one of the sexy ladies that is always with Two-Face. I don't even really remember what happens except that Jim Carrey made me so uncomfortable. Oh (laughs) my gosh, I can see that. So over the top. It's like Robin's origin story. So like Val Kilmer's at the circus and then Robin's with his family and then there's a bomb that goes off and Robin's whole family dies. And Robin's like this 20-year-old man that he's supposed to be like a teenager. (laughs) So he's like crying, like I mean, of course, you cry if your whole family died, but grown men can't cry. 
<laughs> but it just seemed very didn't fit. And Nicole Kidman was just way too again like over sexualized. I think they were trying to continue that, so still a little bit of like the creepy vibe, but it just didn't have the Tim Burton flair to it. Mm. It was just very bad. And then especially compared to the Batman that came out this year and the Christopher Christopher Nolan Batmans, like I thought the one with Jack Nicholson was fun. It was yeah. a little bit weird. This one just wasn't it was so painful to watch. So would not recommend that. Oh, that's a bummer. I and yeah, I really love Jim Carrey's Grinch, obviously. But I haven't seen a lot of his other films. Like I started to watch Ace Ventura and I just couldn't handle it. So don't know that I like love all of Jim Carrey's craziness. So because mm-hmm. I, I feel like I haven't seen The Mask. I haven't seen him as the Riddler. So we'll see. Maybe someday I can try and watch more. But okay, my number three is yet another rom-com. <laughs> um, this is Leap Year, <laughs> which was suggested by you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's so bad. It's all, my, all of these rom-coms from my like teenage years, <laughs> you hate them. <laughs> it's just laughable. Even Ebony, who loves rom-coms and watches like the cheesiest and the worst ones, she's like, Rachel, I don't know if I can watch it with you because it's so bad. And I was like, oh, Ebony, it'll just be fun. Like, we can laugh at it. Like, it has, I need to watch it. It has Matthew Goode in it. And she was like, it's so bad. And she ended up watching it with me. And at the very end, I was like, yeah, that was like not even so bad. It was good. It was just bad. And she's like, I told you. <laughs> um, It has Amy Adams in it and Matthew Goode, as I mentioned. But it's just, like, horrible writing. And it's really not their fault. Amy is so unlikable. Like, I hated her character. But I was like, Amy's such a good actress because she's normally this, like, incredibly sweet, personable. Like, she's such a good actress because I despise her character so much. The writing was just so bad, but she committed. So I'm proud of her. But it's just <laughs> so bad. And same That's with Matthew. actress award. Yeah. <laughs> same with Matthew. And I, like, I wanted, I wanted it to be my um, decoy bride. Like, I wanted it to be this guilty pleasure. And it just couldn't be. It was so bad. Oh, my gosh. Wow. (laughs) I'm so sorry for that. No, it's all right. It's it's good memes. Okay. Batman and Robin. Oh. Which is from 1997 and has George Clooney as Batman. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Mr. Freeze. So sorry, Arnold. Sorry, Arnold's in my Arnold's been slighted so twice by you already this year. Uma Thurman, she's from Pulp Fiction, and Kill Bill. She's Poison Ivy. She's like the main antagonist uh, with Mister Freeze, kind of. And Chris O'Donnell is back as Robin, which is it's a different <laughs> Batman, but the same Robin. It's kind of a <laughs> weird. Universe hops. This movie on IMDb it says that George Clooney has been known to refund people for seeing it <laughs> i think i heard that he is so embarrassed this was his big break actually it was his first big movie that's good for him but he is so embarrassed by it like that's he knows how bad it is so funny i don't even really remember very much except arnold schwarzenegger saying like there's one line that he says what killed the dinosaurs the ice age and then he <laughs> 
blessed because <laughs> they're in like they're in a museum and there's like a big plesiosaurus so he says that and then he blasts the plesiosaurus and it falls down but it's just so horrible i can't even on my letterbox review um my favorite parts that i wrote down alfred crying after saying he would cancel the pizzas <laughs> so relatable Alfred uses a three-letter password for his most secret files that he, like, doesn't want anyone to read. <laughs> the other, so Poison Ivy, she, like, kisses people and they die. Mm-hmm. And so there's this part where they're tricking her and Robin puts on these, like, rubber lips. <laughs> or But you don't know about it. So he, like, she kisses him and then suddenly he, like, rips off these horrible rubber lips and he's like, gotcha! <laughs> And then, oh, there's this girl in it, too, who's Batgirl. And Batgirl, I think Batman's, like, falling off the building, dying. And Batgirl says to Robin, what should we do now? And Robin just says, pray. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the worst movie ever. Worst Batman movie, for sure. Oh, my. It makes me want to watch it, though. I know. Maybe I'll watch it with you someday. Oh, my gosh. It's so bad. My number two is Purple Hearts. Did you ever hear about this movie? I think I did. It was on Netflix. Apparently it was like incredibly popular. So of course Ebony wanted to watch it. It's so dumb. It was so predictable. I figured out every stupid plot point that was going to happen before it even did. But this she did this thing and people got mad about it on the internet a lot. But the main actress would have her hair tucked into her shirt so you know like when you put on a shirt and you like have to like pull your hair out she like would her character she was like i just felt like it was in character for her like that she wouldn't pull her hair out and it was so distracting and so annoying it was the worst how is that in character what kind of character is that (laughs) a psychopath truly though was so aggravating it also is just like has a lot of really weird misogyny and racism and like at first is trying to say that that's not okay but then in the end it's kind of like oh we can like have sex and be together and it doesn't matter that our <laughs> worldviews are completely opposite <laughs> and just a lot of really interesting things that go down oh it was so bad i hated it so much <laughs> would not recommend it is not a movie that is so bad it becomes good again. <laughs> Do not watch this oh. movie. <laughs> See, I think that's why a lot of the bad movies I watched, they were so bad it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second worst is called Mac and Me. Have you ever heard of this? No. It's an E.T. ripoff, <gasps> but it's very bad. And I had just seen um, E.T. in IMAX the day before, and then I went and watched this with my cousin. It's about this little boy who's in a wheelchair. And they move to California. And then there's these this family of aliens. It's a mom and a dad and a little kid and a and they send this this vacuum to the moon and it sucks up the aliens and brings them back to Earth on accident. And then the aliens are stuck and there's like explosions and they escape from the, the facility. But the baby gets separated somehow and ends up at the boy's house basically destroys the boy's house and the mom blames it on him even though he's like in a wheelchair and he can't oh my gosh (laughs) anyways the aliens are very horrifying actually mac mac is the baby the main character 
he's a little bit cute sometimes just a tiny tiny bit cute <laughs> I said that to my brother and then I showed him a picture and he's like no zero percent cute oh it's terrifying <laughs> what look up his parents look up it's like actual humans in like these <gasps> horrible suits oh no oh it's they're terrible. very scary the <laughs> it's so funny because he like will whistle that's how they communicate to each other so he'll just go <laughs> it's not getting picked up at all and then never mind you can just look it up and <laughs> they go on a road trip to go and find the rest of his family who are dying in the desert oh <laughs> and they God. go find him in a cave and they're all just lying there dead on the <laughs> but they're not they're like and eh, i don't remember how they save them but then they go to the supermarket for some reason and the police are there and they're like, come out with your hands up. And the aliens are just like shopping. They don't know what's going on. And then there's like this huge explosion at the gas station. The little boy, should I tell the whole plot? <laughs> Go for it. The little boy dies, essentially. And then they all stand in a circle holding hands around him and he comes back to life. Oh, wow. And that's the movie. <laughs> they dahudore him. <laughs> yes, it felt like that. But um, <laughs> there's also, like, a version that aired on Japanese TV that they censored and changed it for American TV, where the police accidentally shoot the little boy. Because oh <laughs> they're trying to shoot the alien man. And he gets shot and dies from the shot. Like, it's, it's so bad. That's um, terrible. But the best part of the movie is there's one part where <laughs> the little boy, I don't even remember his name, but... I should remember. It's like Johnny or something. He's on his, is in his wheelchair. He goes out to his backyard to look for the alien. And then he starts rolling down the hill. And he starts going so fast. I'm going to send you the clip right now so you can watch it. I think his name's Eric. But my jaw... Eric! <laughs> Wait, but you've seen um Conan, right? Have you ever seen Paul Rudd on... Um, I don't think so. Okay, I'm going to send this to you. And I want you to watch it right now. Oh my gosh, I'm so afraid. Infamous wheelchair scene. You can stop. You don't have to watch the whole thing. <laughs> okay, you can stop now. Oh my gosh. Like, he falls like 30 feet off a cliff into the water. <gasps> I was not expecting it. But I guess every time Paul read would go on Conan. There's like a compilation. He'd be like, oh yeah, and here's a clip from my new film. And it would just be that scene. <laughs> <laughs> and like when he was on the Friends reunion, he like went on Conan and he was like, oh yeah, and I actually got some some behind the scenes footage for, oh. from Friends that I'm not supposed to show you, but I, I've finagled it and we've got it. And he just oh. would troll with Conan every time. And then most recently he was on Conan's podcast and <laughs> I can't remember how he did it, but he played the clip and Conan was dying. He was like, I thought I was safe because this is a podcast. This isn't even like, you can't show film. I listened to Conan's podcast. I'm going to have to listen to that one. You should listen to the Paul Red one. Oh. He had like this whole backstory behind it. It's, oh my it, gosh. it made Paul Red become one of my favorite people. That is hilarious. That is- <laughs> Oh my it's like the most random scene that nobody knows about right oh and it is shocking like it's horrifying oh wow it is my little uh, otis i level. did in my review on letterbox i said my jaw dropped of 
at the wheelchair scene and some random person commented and said i guess you've never watched paul red on conan and i was like i hadn't <laughs> i love letterboxd sometimes right it's so you mean heroes so people oh my gosh that's mac and me don't watch it <laughs> just watch et was that your number one that was my number two okay i guess i'll do my number one really fast um this is I admit, maybe not, like, my actual number one, my, uh, but it's because my expectations were so high, and it was such a disappointment. But my number one worst film that I watched in 2022 was Disenchanted. So, again, mm-hmm. harsh because, like, was the film really, really that bad? No. But it's just because I had really high expectations and really high hopes, and they absolutely were not met. <laughs> The plot was very lackluster. I think the characters were severely underused, especially Robert and Edward. And I just feel like they provide a lot of really fun comedy. And I think they were really like shunted to the side. They were so one dimensional. And I feel like that's something that is interesting is when we have very like female driven leads. I feel like they always don't like they don't know what to do with their male characters. Like this happens a lot in Frozen 2 where it's like Kristoff is really reduced to kind of this one mm-hmm. note. And so it's like how can we like support having female leads while also not like minimizing male leads to just making them like simplistic dummies. So, I don't know. That is something for future filmmakers to work out, but they're also really unnecessary characters. Like I did not get the like you've seen it, right? Mm-mm. Okay. They're like, I don't know, just characters that they put in that are like supposed to be villains, but I think they'd really distract from the main plot and take away from, I don't know, they're, they're just this, this extra filler that really does not support the film. The songs are not memorable at all. I'm sorry, Alan, but now um, Home on the Range is not his worst film, I would say. Oh my gosh. Um, Good. <laughs> I really appreciated what they were trying to do. There's like a lot of kind of discussion about adoption or like that is a really powerful message and there are aspects of it that I liked, but it was really just overshadowed by these other clunky things that just didn't fit. And I just think there was so much potential and there was so much time in between this one and the last one. It could have been so good. And instead it just like mm-hmm. faltered and tripped at the finish line. So I also will admit I fell asleep in like the third act because I was like very tired and also not committed to watching it because I was very disappointed by the, the majority of what I had seen. So just sad about it. So that's all. I'm sorry, I'm Amy so Adams. Sad. You're, you're, um, Really putting Alan or uh, what's his name, Schwarzenegger down, Arnold, Arnold, and I'm taking shots at Amy. But I will I'm say, I don't Amy think it's Adams. her fault in either one. I think her performances were fantastic in both. It's just the writing and the plot that really suffered. Okay, my number one, I don't. It might not technically count as a film, but it's on Letterboxd as a film. It was um the Star Wars Holiday TV special. <laughs> And it's full length. It's 97 minutes. So I think oh, it, it counts definitely as a film. counts. Have you seen it? No, but I know enough. <laughs> it's straight trash. <laughs> There's not one redeeming quality about it. I cannot even think of a reason anyone should watch it. Oh, Carrie Fisher has a musical number at the end, and she has a lovely voice, and I really enjoyed hearing that. But everything else was just like garbage. You are not about the main Life three Day celebrations. Not this one. <laughs> Chewbacca's family. <laughs> They're it's so his, dank. 
yeah it's his mate his wife his child and his father i think maybe it's her father but their names are like um itchy <laughs> i think i think itchy is his dad um let me see oh itchy lumpy is his son his wife's name's mala they're just like they don't speak their they speak like their chewbacca language so a lot of the movie is just like <laughs> and they're like miming things to each other um and then there are all these weird like interspersed musical numbers with like random or like just like i don't know little breaks i guess like at one point his grandpa puts on this vr headset and there's this like sexy lady singing some song about like forget everything <laughs> and then there's oh, yes I bre- yes, I remember that now, yes. And his son gets like some toys that I'll like dance around and it's way too long. And there's this scene where it's like a Julia Child parody that doesn't make any sense with like some famous actor that I didn't know, but probably famous at the time. There's like cameos of Mark Hamill and um, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, like I said. C-3PO and R2-D2 are in it, but also at the... Uh, C3P is like, life day is amazing. I wish that I was alive so that I could celebrate too. <laughs> it's just like, oh, oh. So and then, oh, it's just so bad. It was <laughs> way, we, we had to skip through some of it because we couldn't take it. And then the, credit, <laughs> the credits rolled, and my cousin was like, all these people should be in jail. <laughs> it was not pretty. I feel like he had a, oh man. You're, I'm so glad I follow him on Letterboxd now. Oh, yeah. He had a very detailed review. Yeah. I was very impressed. Oh also, gosh. the makeup. Like, Mark Hamill was in there for, like, a minute. His makeup looked horrible. It was, <laughs> like, the thickest eyeliner. It looked so bad. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. But, yeah. I think my cousin also mentioned, like, like just the comparison between A New Hope, which had just come out, like, maybe a year or two before this. And then it was followed by this is so, I don't know what the word is. Just the discrepancy between those two is so high that it like, it makes it even worse. Right. Oh my gosh. And it is, I think it is officially like my, on Letterboxd, the lowest rated average movie I've seen in the entire Letterboxd. A half star, right? I mean, like in general that. It's the movie that more oh. more people have voted less that I've seen. That is so funny. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I would not recommend that. It is time for our sponsor story, the first one of 2023. This episode is sponsored by Art History Recreations. So oh. this is thrown it way back. I was trying to figure out when we took Art History, which Jeez. would have been 2012 to 2013. So in like four months yeah in like four months it'll been 10 years since we did these i know isn't that crazy oh my gosh that's crazy so lauren and i took art ap art history together in high school although we sat on opposite sides of the rooms i remember (laughs) that and like didn't necessarily spend a lot of time together in class but studying for the ap test i think i threw a like study session or two at my house just so we could all get some practice in Mm -hmm. and that turned into just recreating art (laughs) 
Um, did I remember we did the swing? There's a bunch of them on my Voltaire Rage Instagram. Should you care to go look at them, dear listener? We did the 3rd of May. I know there was one that we did where you were a bat. Do you remember that? It's like a... Oh my gosh. Here it is. Was it a Goya? Yes. The Sleep of Reason Produces Nightmares. <laughs> it was your missionary post. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, it's this great one of Lardis. Oh no, I, maybe I was the bat, which feels more appropriate. Yeah. Maybe it was Caroline Weiler. I don't remember. But anyway, there's just a bunch of these art history creations. Chloe is even in one. Like, you met <gasps> Chloe oh so long ago and didn't even realize. Maybe. <laughs> There's this all amazing one of a Caravaggio, the conversion of St. Paul, where I'm St. Paul and you're the horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, it's the the Hogarth, the marriage a la mode. Chloe is the dog. So uh. it's just so funny to think way back when you met Chloe and then like didn't right? even know. Or all the time you would spend with her later. But as I was looking at these just barely, like, it's just kind of a funny thing that we did back then that I really milked for a long time and posted many years later. But <laughs> it is kind of like the origins of our cinema poster recreations in some ways. Oh, you're right. It's also this month, so that felt extra appropriate. Thank you to study sessions that were not that productive. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we like really did not want to study. <laughs> I think we also did the swing. I can't remember. I feel like you were the statue that is like whispering or, or shushing. This is on your regular Instagram? Yeah, it's like way deep in the archives. They're some of the very first pictures I posted. Oh, here's here it is. Yeah, you're the statue <laughs> that's shushing. I'm the creeper in the bushes. Jordan is on the swing and Spring is pushing Jordan. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I love the Arnolfinius bride so much. <laughs> oh yeah. Forgot about that one. Oh my that gosh. It's Chloe. And Chloe, yes. <laughs> the pictures are so blurry. <laughs> I know. Bless our little selves for <laughs> taking these pictures. Oh, so creative. We'll hop back in. To talk about our top 10 films that we watched in 2022. So there is probably going to be some overlap. Um, <clears throat> I just ranked all of them that I had, even if they weren't from 2022. So there will, I know for me, many of my tops we've already talked about. I'll go ahead and talk about my number 10 then. <laughs> my number 10, which might resurface later in the air. Wink, wink. Is Paddington 2. <laughs> oh. This is just delightful. I heard so much hype for it. Everyone was like, Padding like it got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes or something. It had like a lot of glowing reviews. And it was. It was just so fun. Paddington is adorable. I loved all the cameos. It just felt like such a celebration of British TV and movie celebrities and culture. And it just, it really was so much better than it needed to be. It was fantastic. So... <laughs> I think because it was just such a delight and a surprise, I look back on watching it very fondly and recommend it. Except for maybe I don't recommend it because it might might be important later in the year. <laughs> so that's all I'm going to say. Have you already planned out your whole year? Of <laughs> your well, yes, knowing what the theme is, I'm I'm working on proactively picking my films. My top three I'll keep in. I'm going to leave Top Gun, <laughs> but the rest of them I'm not. 
Okay, so I'll say my number 10 is Kiki's Delivery Service. Um, we watched this one with Sarah. Well, I was with Sarah and then Rachel watched it virtually with us. This one's just so cute. So wholesome. Um, It's Studio Ghibli. It's a very, one of their most famous ones, I think. A lot of people know. Just about this little girl who's a witch, but she's a good witch. Um, And she has to go out leave home and go out and learn a trade and then I think eventually she'll go home but so it's just kind of her adventure of striking out on her own and um, navigating life and making new friends and learning how to be a good witch she has a little broomstick she has the most adorable little cat oh the cutest cat is his name Juju? Gigi? So. it might be Gigi yeah Gigi sounds right. It just made me feel so happy when we watched it. So that's my number 10 favorite. Number nine for me was Modern Times. This was something we watched in cinema um, last year. It's just a very classic film, an early film staple. One of like Charlie Chaplin's most famous, I think. And I'd seen so many clips of it. It was fun to finally watch. And I liked that it was all about workers' rights. And I don't know, it was just kind of a cool... I think Charlie Chaplin really saw film as an instrument for some of these social movements or just social commentary versus a lot of his other contemporaries that really just used it for comedies, which I don't think is a lesser form of storytelling. Like, uh, I am such a fan of the Laurel and Hardys and Buster Keaton and everything, but Charlie Chaplin was just, just so serious. And not that he didn't have funny parts or comedy aspects to it, but I think he really strove to make film mean something deeper and... I really liked this one, so I think you might have picked it, or maybe I don't remember who picked it, but it was a good one. Yeah, this is in my honorable mentions for the year, but I think it was one of my top ones for cinema. Uh, my number nine is called Breaking Away. Um, It's about these boys, I don't know if it's the 80s or not, but... The one boy is obsessed with, like, Italian bicyclists and the bicycle team that Italy has. He's really good at cycling, Um, and he has these three other friends... Um, and they're like the, they're from outside of town. They're like the, almost the farm. They're like the factory families that live by the factory. And then they're kind of competing with the college boys that live in the city. And then there's a big race at the end that it's like college boys versus the, I can't remember what they call them, but it's actually in the AFI top 10, top 10 and the top 10 films about sports. category so that's why I watched it but I just thought it was very wholesome and (laughs) I always pick wholesome movies (laughs) I don't think I cried but I was close okay it it was very emotionally moving um it did remind me a little bit of E.T. because it's these boys just driving around town on their little bicycles um and I breaking away oh my gosh (laughs) so he he loves Italians so he's just constantly like speaking in an Italian accent and like his dad is so over it. And, oh my gosh. And so in my review, I said, for the first half of the movie, Dave is me after watching The Godfather one time, just like obsessed with Italy. <laughs> and the dad is your whole family. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, just a really good feel good movie. Um, It's very fun. All right, my number eight is Flea. This is an animated movie, but it's not inappropriate for children, but it's a very serious subject matter. This is a documentary, but it's animated. So it's super cool because, yeah, it's this guy telling this truth, like his story of his life, but they've animated it. 
and he was a child refugee from Afghanistan and basically had to get smuggled into I think the Netherlands I want to say and like it's just a heartbreaking and wild crazy story about what happens to his family and basically he I don't want to spoil too much but he he like can't tell this story because it will threaten his standing within like as a citizen of the Netherlands and yeah just a lot of interesting international things that are at play and it's a beautiful heart-wrenching story highly recommend now that I remember all the details um this movie is really really impactful definitely recommend putting it on your list it's called Flea my number eight is Police Story 3. This is where Michelle Yu comes back, mm. or Michelle Yeoh. Um, this is this was another Mondo Monday movie, but it was a good one. It's Jackie Chan. Oh. I rated it four and a half out of five. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I um, It probably doesn't quite deserve that, because it's, I mean, it's Jackie Chan. Like, it's not a very intelligent film. It's very action-forward but the stunts in it were amazing. Like Jackie Chan's very famous for doing his own stunts and yeah. making them all real. And it was just very like you just kind of go your mind goes blank because you're just like, wow, focused on all the action and all this. It's just jam packed with all this stuff going on. Um, It is in I think it's in Mandarin. And then my favorite part, though, is Michelle Yeoh. She's in it and she's amazing. She does like all her own kung fu stuff her martial arts stuff. There's one part where she is driving a motorcycle and like has to jump it onto a train and she actually did it and she Whoa. did the stunt and it, it was a, like she would have died. <laughs> it's just amazing. So I think I gave it like a little bit extra hype and like I really liked it a lot just for the effort that they put in it and it's a fun story. Like the plot isn't super amazing. I think it's about drugs and trying to um, break the cartels, whatever. I don't know. I didn't like the bad guy very much, but I just think it's worth a watch for sure, especially if you love action and if you love Jackie Chan. Which I do love Jackie Chan. Actually, it's called Super Cop, also known as Police Story 3, but I also just thought it was really fun. To see like a female character or just a, a female actress that's so prevalent in an action movie and doing her own stunts, doing her own kung fu, yeah. not just being like the pretty girl that they're rescuing and stuff. Relegated like she was sidelines, yeah, yeah, she was a part of the action, and I loved that. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh performed her own motorbike jump stunt, which that's was so cool. maybe I'll, I'll send you a clip of that because it was so wild. <laughs> I think I like stood up. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> what just your, your lists are very much defined by impressive stunts whether it be <laughs> fighter pilots or wheelchairs or yes my emotional response to these things <laughs> i'll go ahead and talk about my number seven which is kiki's delivery service it is so fun it's whimsical and charming they're really fun characters and i liked the story it it's a really fun Studio Ghibli. I also, and Miyazaki, I feel like it has maybe a little more of a narrative than some of the other mm -hmm. ones we've watched, which... Which I love. To the American viewer. It definitely doesn't beat Spirited Away for me, but it would be interesting to re-rank all the Miyazakis after we watch a couple more. But yes, the cat, I, when we started watching, I always, I'm so mean, <laughs> but <laughs> Sarah has two cats and I am allergic to cats, which has just made me not very appreciative of them in my life and Sarah has two of them and loves them dearly and I do not hide my disdain for them and luckily our friendship survived that <laughs> but so when we started watching it I was like oh boy there's a cat and then it is literally the cutest cat that has ever 
been drawn into existence even more than Kitbull, which is saying something. Oh my, what? Ah, I mean, it's it's close. Oh, he's just so cute. But I also really like the other characters she comes in contact with. I need to see Sarah and I'll recreate Kiki's <laughs> delivery service costumes. <laughs> so badly but i also love like the teenage young adult girl she finds in the forest i think she's a really cool character so big fan highly recommend my number seven is the rescue it's a documentary on amazon prime that's about the soccer player the soccer team in i think it's thailand like a, a soccer team of children this came out last year, 2021. This happened in 2018, and I actually remember seeing it on the news. Okay. This yeah, the- team, uh-huh, team of 12 Thai boys and their soccer coach were just exploring a cave and then got trapped because it started raining. I think they're mostly just interviewing the men that went in to rescue them. And it's like, it's so cool because they just found this super niche hobby of, of cave diving. There's like only a few people in the world that like are really good at it and love it. And they like all came together and worked together. And um, there was like an anesthesiologist that cave dives. Whoa. <laughs> and so he could help them. Like, it's crazy. They like sedated the boys because they you're going to be underwater for a certain amount of time. And like, if you freak out, like you're going to use all your oxygen and you're going to die. It's mm-hmm. like it was super critical that they, everything went perfectly. But I'm pretty sure that it, it made me emotional. Like, it was amazing just how everything worked out and just the efforts that were put into the rescue. I don't know. I thought it was a very well made documentary. And I don't, well, I do like documentaries, but that's not usually like my go to film. Right, you don't seek it out necessarily. Yeah, but it was also cool to just hear the story of this event that I kind of knew was happening, but I didn't really pay attention to it. And like, I had no idea how long they were trapped in the cave for 16 days. Like they were going to die. It was very good. All right. My number six is Summer of Soul. Another documentary. Ooh. We talked a lot about this. It obviously had its own episode, its own mini so devoted to it. So you can go listen to that if you need more or refreshers. But it was the film club pick for June. The episode came out in July. I don't want to reiterate too much because you can just go listen to that. Thought it was a very impressive film debut for Questlove and loved everything that it brought out and talked about. It's not just about this festival, but all the undercurrents and social things that are happening at the time as well. Very important, very fun, very impressive. All the varies. Love. (laughs) And number six is Coda, which was the best Mm -hmm. picture winner for 2021. I still haven't seen it. I need to. I was a little bit, again, doubtful that it was going to be amazing, but they really did a really good job. And I really didn't absolutely absolutely love it until the end. There's a scene with her and her dad that just super touched me and I loved it. But Mm. it's just about a girl, child of deaf adults, and that's what CODA stands for. And she has a brother that's also deaf, so she's the only hearing person in her family, and she's trying to help her family. They're like fishermen, and so she plays a really important role in their family too. Like she's an interpreter for them often because there's not just like sign language interpreters where they live. I don't even remember where they live. And then she starts singing in school and she's really good at it and so that's really hard her parents don't understand because they're like why do you love singing because they don't really have any context for that i think i'm glad that it won best picture um last year they used deaf actors 
that was cool the representation that mm-hmm. and i'm yeah. pretty sure the dad won best supporting actor which he also deserved he did a very good job um That's but it was funny. just very heartfelt and another feel-good movie just a family love and a family i liked it a lot yeah it's definitely on my list my number five is persona this was another cinema one you can go listen to our episode from last february if you need more of a refresher but ooh, i it was it's maybe a little high on the list but i just am so struck with the lens jump scare like that is such a defining <laughs> moment of my film viewing experience in 2022 but i just love that it was eerie and uncomfortable and shot in black and white and yeah there's just so much to unpack from that film and so much beautiful cinematography and i think i'm still trying to comprehend exactly what we watched (laughs) i'm going i'm really voting for the the trippy mind-bending films that i watched in 2022 yeah the ones that made you think okay next i want to talk about the descendants i don't even i don't think i'd ever heard of it i only watched it because it was a best picture nominee again it's about like a family and a relationship of a family for half a second i thought you were talking about disney's just like is that what it's called descendants (laughs) it's about a family (laughs) a villain family george clooney it has george clooney yeah i know and is it hawaii yeah yeah, yep, they're in I Hawaii. remember. I remember watching the Academy Awards when this one was getting hyped. Mm-hmm. 2011. It's about George Clooney's family. His wife was in an accident and is in a coma, and it's just kind of he and his children, um, kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And then he's trying to make this big deal with this land that's been in his family for in Hawaii that like a tourism industry wants to buy but he's trying to like figure out his feelings about that and I don't even know why I left it so much but it just hit me in the feels like it was really I was on a big George Clooney kick at the beginning of the year and I was very impressed with his performance and just the film in general I really liked it a lot cool put up my list um number four was glass onion which i talked about <laughs> okay number four is another george clooney movie <laughs> michael clayton again another best picture nominee um that's about he's like the fixer guy for some company that he's supposed to, when things are going wrong they send him in to fix things and then suddenly he's like almost assassinated and then he's trying to figure out what's going on anyways it's kind of a mystery kind of a thriller because he's like kind of being attacked or like targeted and he's trying to figure out why he's being targeted and as he's like trying to like protect himself i think i mostly just loved the end he like he gets so mad at somebody that i thought was so amazing i was just like ah this emotion yeah people die there's explosions it's exciting oh wow oh no tilda swinton won a best performing actress for this movie oh tilda my number three was Nope, which we've talked about. I, I really didn't put any of these top ten and and except for Top Gun. Um, number three is Pass of Glory, which is uh Stanley Kubrick. Oh, and I think I wanted I ranked it so highly because I usually don't like Kubrick, but huh. except for um Doctor Strange Love, I love that and The Shining. Okay, The Shining's fine, but Pass of Glory. Let me find it. And 2001, you love that one too? Oh, I'm so glad. (laughs) Pass of Glory is from 1957, so it's one of his very first films. It's World War I, and so a general, they like order the general to 
make his men attack and the general's like no i'm not going to do that because it's futile like we're just gonna all die and then they like accuse the soldiers of cowardice and then they're try they're they go on trial even though they've done absolutely nothing Mm. they're put on trial and this guy is their lawyer and trying to like argue that these guys did nothing wrong it was the general and anyway it was very it was kind of a downer for sure but it was very powerful and i think i was just really impressed with i think the camera work was amazing because it's kubrick of course but Mm -hmm. it's like these shots i was just like whoa that was cool and it's older so it's just really cool to see kind of kubrick's early work in this like a grounded plot (laughs) i feel like kubrick's movies are so out there and like a real world situation. So if you're a Kubrick fan, this one is for you. My number two is Tick, Tick, Boom, um, oh. which I don't think a musical has ever ranked so highly on my list. Maybe Hamilton would have if we had been doing this when Hamilton came out. But this is Lin-Manuel directing, I believe, um, Andrew Garfield. Tick, Tick, Boom is a musical about the guy who wrote Rent. Jonathan Larson. It's about him writing like the musical before writing Rent and just about the creative process and also about New York in the like 90s, late 80s and about AIDS crisis and Andrew Garfield is in it and sings in it and he does an incredible job. There's a lot of really fun Broadway cameos, very big Broadway stars that make appearances especially in like the diner scene um very fun songs really cool image imagery like the cinematography was really cool i feel like lynn did a fantastic job with that um you've seen this right oh yeah i watched it well you were at work when i came to visit you oh okay like i love when he goes swimming i think those that's uh, that stuck with me and then also i really liked or i just thought it was a very nice translation of the screen obviously i haven't seen tick tick boom as a musical in itself but i just felt like it really like they did a really good job making it into a film i did love that movie i cried a lot in it <laughs> yeah they do this incredible job because it's about relationships and friendships and connections with other people but then it's also this intense battle of pursuing what you love and pursuing your dreams and the intense hard work and the devastating rejection and oh it's just it's exhausting the creative process is so hard but so worth it so it was just this love letter to broadway and to making creative art so I loved it. I wanted Andrew Garfield to win Best Actor so bad. I wanted Lin Manuel to win some sort of directorial from that, or mm, yeah, an Oscar from um, Encanto. I need Lin to become an egot. So help me. <laughs> okay, my number two is Top Gun Maverick, which we talked about already. And then my number one is Everything Everywhere All at Once. My number one is The Freshman. <gasps> <gasps> Which I will, I mean, we're going to talk about this movie in depth coming up, but I, and I know that it's not a five-star film, but so I'm just going off what I, how I rank these movies on Letterboxd. I haven't like gone through and readjusted at all. Mm -hmm. And I only ranked three movies, five stars, (laughs) and it was... Top Gun Maverick and The Freshman and Glass Onion. Mm. But I think I like this one better than Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, yeah, like I said, I recognize that it has a lot of faults. It's maybe a little bit too much sometimes seeing Marlon Brando again in that role in, in like a, a parody way. Yes. Yeah, it sent me like I, I was so high on life while I was watching this movie. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about it in detail. So yeah, we'll talk about this later, but I just, I'm so glad we watched it this year. Twice. Is two times. It was very, very entertaining. Just oh. hit me right where I needed it when we watched it. Oh my gosh. May it never leave HBO Max so we can always call upon it when we need it. I know, right? <laughs> okay, I'll go ahead and read my top 30 films backwards. So um, Paddington 2 is number 10, 11, Turning Red, King Richard, The Night of the Hunter, Gerald's Game, Belfast, Strange World, The Freshman mm. was, I think it's in my top 20. So at least there's that. Il Postino, The Batman, Pride and Prejudice, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Strictly Ballroom, Halloween, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, Dog Day Afternoon. I knew it was you. The Harry Potter 25th Anniversary, It, The Menu, and Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd was in your top 30? Yep. I really enjoyed that film. Mostly because I liked <laughs> that uh, duet between Alan and Johnny. <laughs> Five stars right there. <laughs> um, you really, have to remember, I, have... I only watched like, these are oh, out of 65 we... new films. So that's like the halfway <laughs> mark. <laughs> And half of which were rom-coms with Ebony. Yes. I felt so sick after that movie. I could barely eat my dinner. Oh my gosh. There's only uh, 13 after films. After Todd. There's only 13 films after it that made my list, so. Oh, wow. <laughs> Modern Times, Tick, Tick, Boom, M, because I watched that for the first time. Oh, I was like, how come that wasn't on my list? But it's because I'd already seen it. It wasn't a new one. Yeah. Harry Potter, the Harry Potter um, anniversary movie. Bringing Up Baby. Uh, 127 Hours, Mississippi Burning, Sophie's Choice, Network, The Hunt, Witness, Heat, In the Mood for Love, Little Miss Sunshine. I'm just kind of saying random ones. <laughs> Tom Jones. I love Tom Jones. Elvis. Ah, uh, see, I never watched Elvis because I waited too long for Lauren and Ebony and we never got our schedules to match up. Um, Prey. Which was a sequel to Predator. Oh, oh and Predators and there's Arnold. <laughs> there's a good Arnold movie. It's Predator. <laughs> I had Belfast too. Um, the Elephant Man, In the Heat of the Night, Nebraska, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Boyhood, Capote. Oh, say anything. Midnight Run. That's good enough. Wow, so many films. And this is also a suggestion to. Follow us on Letterboxd. You can get all our reviews in mm -hmm. real time. Also look at our old list. I thought we can take a look if there's any films you're looking forward to. Asteroid City, Wes Anderson's new movie. Okay, I that one's coming out this coming year. Coming out this year. Beautiful. And the other one I'm excited for... Oh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Mm -hmm. The sequel. Yes. I, I had Spider-Man... I'm really excited for Elemental. That's the Pixar film that's coming out in mm -hmm. the summer. Um, a Man Named Otto looks interesting. That's Tom Hanks. It's Tom Hanks. Of, yeah, previews out. It should be coming out if it hasn't already. The Little Mermaid is coming out. That, I, that might be interesting. Reserving judgment for that. There's that Barbie film that's coming out. I don't know. Oh, yeah. 
end up watching it. <laughs> There's also Wonka with Timothy Chalamet, which I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like Timothy's a little overrated. Yeah. I there... said it. <laughs> Hot take. There is a sequel to Chicken Run coming out, apparently. What? <laughs> By Ardman? Mm-hmm. But... <gasps> it better have Mel Gibson. Oh! <laughs> I forgot he was the voice. Super Mario Brothers is coming out. I don't know how I feel about it yet. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm kind of excited for it. I think they're also... The, this could be completely bogus, but the new Hunger Games book that came out, I think they're making... Oh, yeah! Yeah, and I like that book. There's also apparently going to be a movie about Francis Ford Coppola making The Godfather, but I'm like, we had the offer, and that was... I feel like it's going to be so much stronger than whatever film is going to be made about yeah. it. Um, and also Wish, I'm pretty excited for is the disney film coming out in november and it's about the story could be a little eh, it's about the it's like the origins of the wishing star which sounds a little hokey but (laughs) it's like that paper man animation where it feels very 2d so i'm uh really excited for that kind of animation to come back and yeah everything else i don't remember i have a lot of question marks of things i might go see i also was going to announce the film anniversary so they don't catch us unaware this time frozen is turning 10 years old which is just wild <laughs> well we're so old i know pirates of the caribbean finding nemo and elf are all turning 20 bug's life is turning 25 so as is mulan and oh. you you've got mail so just a fantastic <laughs> year for movies as well as saving private ryan rain man is turning 35 scarface is turning 40 <laughs> oh my gosh as is return of the jedi the Exorcist is turning 50. It might be the year. Well, yeah, this will be the year. Um, as The Sting is also turning 50 this year. Bicycle Thieves, Breakfast at Tiffany's, and The Treasure of Sierra uh, Madre are all turning 75. Not quite as big of an anniversary year, but still some exciting ones. Very excited about Mulan. Hoping they release the Legacy Collection of Mulan this year. That would be amazing. <gasps> oh my, so. I will pray. <laughs> and also... Bugs Life. Gotta have a big celebration. Uh, so, yes, just quick reminders, everyone, to watch Arrival, um, submit your reviews after you get the email about how all of the film club changes are going to go. And stay tuned. We have a very exciting guest episode lined up. I just got the final confirmation as we've been recording, so I'm very excited about that. And yeah, welcome to season three. We're excited we're back. Yay, season three. You took the words right out of my mouth, PJ. I'm turning into you, eating during the podcast recording. (laughs) What shade?